Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, presenting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and helping you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can do so by first, if you're listening to this podcast, follow us on all our social media. The Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. On Twitter, the show radio handle is Zero at Zero Radio. <laughs> I, I don't know how I forgot that. And wherever else you may find us, listen to us on all your podcast platforms. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We thank you for listening, and we're so excited about what we're doing. And as always, if you'd like to contact me, simply send me an email at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. But I've talked enough. Let's get into today's show, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. So I've actually been on vacation, and yes, I actually left. I didn't stay around saying I'm going somewhere. I actually left, went to visit family and friends in Louisiana and Texas. I went to the beach. I had a good time, got my feet in the water, got myself in the pool at the hotel. I mean, I actually went into hotel <laughs> and got in the pool. I was glad to do that. And I actually did no business whatsoever. I rested. I relaxed. I enjoyed myself. It's it's rare. I, I can't recall the last time I actually left to go on a vacation. And I, I didn't take the full time. I just took a few days just kind of decompress from all the other stuff I've been doing. And I'm glad I did. A lot of people were glad that I actually got away. <laughs> and to top it off, you know, it, it was Father's Day, Juneteenth, all that. So I, I it, was, it was really special. And, and it was my great aunt's and great uncle's 64th or 65th wedding anniversary. Yes, I said 60. And I got a chance to share a little bit of time with them, got to see my goddaughters, got to eat a whole lot, <laughs> got to spend time with my dear friends. Um, I, I, I just did. I, I was glad. I was glad. So I'm back and uh, <laughs> trying to get back on, you know, in, in um, broadcast mode, I guess you can say. Uh, Sporadically, we have some things going on. I'll be out a few times because I um, have some events that I have to attend that I may do some. You may have some pre-recording broadcasts. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. I am still, we're still in search for a producer to help us get that back. So if you know anybody who's really good at that, uh, send them my way. Anyway, let's get into the topics of the day. As you know, I don't know why I'm smacking. I don't usually smack, but uh, I'm smacking. Y'all forgive me. Juneteenth is an official federal holiday. But uh, let me let me stop. I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about Juneteenth as a 
federal holiday, and I'm going to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention and all the issues that they are having, they're facing regarding critical race theory. So those two things that we're going to talk about today, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, so Juneteenth, official national federal holiday. And I know I said national and federal, same thing. Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. It's a federal holiday. What does it mean? What's the benefit? Should we be excited? Now, I don't know about you, some of my listeners, especially those who are out of the country, you probably have no idea what Juneteenth is. So let me explain to you what Juneteenth is. June 19th, 1865 is recognized as the day that uh, enslaved individuals in the state of Texas, Galveston, Texas, were informed by a uh, general of the United States that they were free. If you don't know, uh, President Abraham Lincoln signed drafted the Emancipation Proclamation in September of 1863. It went into effect on January, I mean, 1862. And it went into effect on January 18, January 1st, 1863. And to commemorate that, a lot of the slaves, once they heard, and these, and it, let, me, let me clarify a little bit more. I'm going ahead of myself. Slavery was was practiced just about everywhere, even in the northern states where uh, they were a little more liberal. And uh, the southern states get a bad rap as, as if that's the only place it existed. Yes, the southern states um, primarily went to war because of slavery. Uh, the northern states were warring, they were fighting the southern states while still allowing slavery in the northern states. So we had this kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's this weird thing. And history, it tells it, it depends on where you are here in the south, in south, uh, in the southern states of the United States. It's told from a very... <laughs> it's told from a sad perspective because the South lost. In the North, it's told from a different perspective because the North won, uh, reuniting the states. And then after that, we get all of, we get what's this period of called Reconstruction, and then we digress and regress back to Jim Crow in the South, actually across the country, uh, so so forth and so on. But. 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signs this piece of paper. It goes into effect on January 1st, 1863. Now, it only applied to southern states. It didn't apply to the north. It only applied to those Confederate states, okay? And this was kind of as a way to encourage these, these uh, states. <laughs> Excuse me. I had to do, I had to sneeze. It was kind of a way to encourage these states to um, ease back into the Union, even while they were still fighting, and especially encourage those slaves to not revolt, but join the Union cause and to help, in so many ways, abolish slavery, which it did. And you had slaves, um, you had slaves fighting on both sides, 
of the American Civil War. You had slaves fighting for the Union, the most popular regiment of the slaves fighting or even black free men flight fighting for the Union. It's called the Buffalo Soldiers. But you also had uh, slaves and some free, <laughs> some free Africans fighting for the Confederacy. And the Confederacy is backed by Europe, um, specifically Britain. It, it, it gets crazy. It's, it's really crazy. You know, a lot of this stuff isn't taught in basic American history. But it, that cause, <laughs> that whole period of history, it's crazy, right? But anyway, so the slaves are deemed free. And um, the word does not get down to the state of Texas. And the slaves there, particularly in Galveston area of Texas, until July 19th, 1865. Two years, roughly, following this, they were informed that they were free. What did they do? They celebrated. And every year since June 19th, 1865, we have been celebrating or observing in some capacity Juneteenth. Juneteenth, just like what we call Kwanzaa here in the States, was was usually just a fringe event. Only a few people, mostly black people, even knew about it. It was mostly celebrated in Texas, maybe in Louisiana and some places in the South, you know, it was celebrated, and hey, <laughs> that was our July 4th. That was our Independence Day. And you had the cookout. You had a lot of separate events, and a lot of people who were pan-African and all of this really, really sponsored this. That's It was not a mainstream black American event. A lot of black people didn't care for it, you know. So it's mostly those who were really passionate about the African diaspora and and realizing the true history of uh, emancipation for for uh, American de descendants of slaves. They're the ones who really celebrate it. And now it is a federal holiday, largely due in part to the events that happened in 2020 with the death of George Floyd, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, the death of Breonna Taylor, the death and shootings of so many other uh, mostly black men and some black women. And through the efforts of Ms. Opal Lee, now Opal Lee, if you, Opal Lee is the, she's going to be known as the mother of Juneteenth. Why? Because she has spent the greater part of her life maintaining not just the oral history of the Juneteenth uh, observation, but connecting people to help them understanding the value of this and advocating for it to be recognized federally. Now, I, you have to commend her for that. She spent a long time doing this. And it harkens back to the days when um, Coretta Scott and uh, King and her family and other supporters were advocating for a national holiday for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
it took uh, about a decade or more before that happened, and eventually President Ronald Reagan signed that day into law as a federal holiday. And now, the third uh, the third Monday of January is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday. So now, June nineteenth will be on the level of July fourth as recognized for independence for not just Americans, but slavery. And the name of the holiday is Juneteenth National Independence Day or something to the to that in effect. And so I commend Ms. Lee. She did a wonderful job. I also commend uh, Representative, uh, what's her name? Jackson Lee, Jackson Lee, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, I believe that's her name. She introduced the bill in the House, and the Texas Senator Cornyn, I believe, I can't say his name, I, I don't know what his name is, but he introduced the bill in the Senate, and it passed overwhelmingly in both chambers of Congress. Uh, now, there was some opposition in the House, about 14 senators. I mean, representatives, all Republicans, and quite a few from former Confederate states voted against the bill. And their, their, <laughs> their argument was a fiscal one. Now they're, now they're claiming to be fiscal conservatives. And they stated that this was going to cost the federal government a little bit more adding to the deficit and all that stuff, you know, because you get federal employees off and you got to pay for day off and that adds up and stuff like that. Um, it was a crazy argument. It was a losing argument, but they made it anyway and they voted. And you have to admire their courage for doing so. You know, it might cost them politically, but they're Republicans and I think most of those persons who <laughs> support them will not be observing Juneteenth. Now, the other thing about the Juneteenth observation and the holiday the difference between the two. When it was just a observation, you know, voluntary participation, when it was just that, you had more people excited about it. And you had, um, you had people who were really understanding the value of this culturally, uh, for the heritage, for uh, American descendants, black Americans, descendants of slaves, the value of it, and that is what we clung to, you know. Now that it is a federally recognized holiday, it changes because it brings in a whole new system to the observation. No more just cookouts, you know, and I, I always say once, once anything underground becomes mainstream, it's dead. It, it's meaningless. That's what happens all the time. That's what happened to hip-hop. That's what happened to whatever else you can think of. Once it went from underground to mainstream, it became devalued. You know, It became another arm of the capitalist system. And while I support the free market capitalist system, I know how they utilize and take advantage of anything they can <laughs> to to make a profit. So we witnessed this this weekend as more companies began 
just at the announcement, they began promotions for sales and all of this. And that's what it's going to be from now on. You're not going... These major corporations starting last year began to realize the value of the rhetoric from marketing. They utilize George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter movement. They utilize all of that to say that they were not racist, they were anti-racist, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But they didn't care. It's all about profit. That's what it was. They're pandering to the emotions of the people to make them spend more. And now Juneteenth is another one of those celebrations that they're going to pander to you to make you spend more. What you going to buy? What black folks going to buy? <laughs> we have about a trillion dollars worth of spending power collectively as black people. And I guarantee there's going to be some cell that captures our eye. They'll find something. They will find something to market to us, specifically to black folk, because it is going to be recognized as a black celebration. That's, that's what it's going to be recognized. It, yes, it is a federal holiday, but it is going to be recognized as a black celebration. And there'll be those white liberal progressives who, who you know, going to try to do it. There's always one or two or three or ten or a dozen or more who are going to join in the celebration because they want to be a part of the community. They want to identify with us. They they want to be soul brother, soul sister. They want to be all of that. Y'all hear me? I'm in my preaching voice. <laughs> and they and and they will they will try to legitimize their their racial identity through the lens of this celebration, this national holiday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised you, you, if we see more transracial people. I know that's going to offend a lot of people. I know some of y'all already said, did he just say that? Yeah, I just said it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we see the rise of more transracial people. I'm really black in a white body. And <laughs> I'm a bit funny guy. Don't take that serious. Don't take that serious. But what do we really have to look for? I mean, the honest God truth, and I said this on my YouTube video. If you have not gone, go watch my, go to my channel and watch that video. If you haven't done so, subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can look at all that stuff. And I do pr uh, put up a few sermons so you can hear how I preach. <laughs> but go and do that. I appreciate you so much. Anyway, all of this is, is happening and it is still not doing anything for black people. One, black people are not demanding much of anything. I think this is just a, a, a tokenized way of saying we did this for you. So you don't need to do anything else. You don't need to ask anything else. Look what we did for you, black legislators. <laughs> Look what our black legislators put through for black people. A day off. That's what they did. They pushed for a day off for black people. I, 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 they did not push for any economic issues. Right? 
they pushed through this, and of course, a lot of the a lot of the people supported it. A lot of the legislators, representatives, and senators supported it because they don't want to be on the wrong side of history. They don't want in this day and age. If you go against anything that seems to be uh, beneficial to black folk, you're racist. You're a bigot. You may not be so. And like these conservatives and Republicans who voted against it, they're automatically deemed racist. That's it. <laughs> and they're automatically deemed racist. They will never, ever be invited to the cookout. That's it. You're not invited to the cookout. But the reality is, you know, they're looking out for their political career. They at least understand the value of the black vote. They may not appreciate the black vote. And I'm talking both parties. They may not appreciate the black, the black vote, but they understand the value of the black vote. At least seeming like they appreciate the black vote. At least seeming like they are, you know, doing what they can. And I'm going to go far as say that America is becoming more segregated now than it was 60 years ago. I know that's a hard thing to hear, but we are. We, and I've said this before, it's coming, I'm, I'm writing a whole chapter about it in my upcoming book that states that we're experiencing negative regression, uh, negative regression. We're experiencing uh, a um, nostalgia that is, that is really hampering our progress. We're more segregated now than before, and, and I'm not just talking about segregated regarding black and white and stuff like that. No, we are literally polarized to the point that <laughs> we can't agree on just about anything. We can't find common ground. It's either it's either you're on this side or you're not. You for this issue or you're not. You're black or you're white. You're not this. You're not that. Or all of that. And and. This segregation is more dangerous than the segregation of Jim Crow. At least in Jim Crow, we knew how some white people <laughs> would be treating black people. We knew it. In this day and age, we don't. We don't know. Because there are a lot of there are a lot of Karen's who are the sweetest people, but then when they feel infringed upon, uh, all of that changes. We've seen it, so we have to work on that. We really do. We are becoming our own worst enemy as a country. And while this federal holiday is intended to recognize freedom, this federal this federal holiday is probably going to bring about a greater division. I hope it doesn't. I really do. I, I am sincere in my desire to see everybody come together just as we do on July 4th. Everybody be invited to the cookout on Juneteenth. Now, I know that's a bit far-fetched, but that is ideal. So we've come a long way. We have come a long way. And I'm glad uh, that it is happening. You know, I, <laughs> the other thing is, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to take a break. 
the other thing I really wonder is, why didn't this happen under America's first black president? Why was there never a push, or if there was a push, a large volume under President Barack Obama? I, 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 I've wondered this since this happened. You know, it took his vice president, now president, Joe Biden, to make it happen. It took riots in cities like uh, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Chicago, Washington, D.C., all these major cities, uh, even in places like Wisconsin, you know, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where else? We, we can number of places, Louisville, and where these people were, were rioting and, and not just marching, but I'm talking about literally rioting and looting. And it, it, because of all that, that was happening, you know, compounded by the COVID-19 pandemic, it took all of that to bring to light the need for the, the, the nation to recognize, mourn, and accept the reality of emancipation for all people. And we're still going, you know, we still got a long way. I already know that there are going to be people that are going to be, uh, there are groups that's going to uh, tag along on this celebration because if black folk get recognized and their holiday gets recognized, then, well, you know how the rest is going to be. Somebody else is going to be knocking on the door. Hey, recognize this day for us. Recognize this event for us. Make this a federal holiday. Do this. We have martyrs just like they do. Recognize them. Somebody show us the love that y'all showing uh, black descendants of slaves. It is what it is. Overall, I'm glad. I really am glad that it is a federal holiday. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say a phrase I used to say when I was in sales. It doesn't matter whether you buy into it or not, I still get paid. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that later. Anyway, I'm going to take this quick break, and when I come back, we're going to get into the discussion uh, about the Southern Baptist Convention, the issues that they're facing, and the idea of critical race theory, and how does it apply to not just the Southern Baptist Church, but to the church universal in this country. Be right back. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare, and it opened up so many doors for me to learn how to be a better creative person. Go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine. Photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of, you can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to really love it. It's, it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll, you'll love it. You're great. 
Greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash Zero Today Radio. Back to zero today. I am Dr. Lorenzo Neal. I am glad to be back. I've been on vacation. If you're just tuning in, I've been on vacation. I'm back from vacation. We just the last segment we talked about Juneteenth, and this segment we're gonna talk about the Southern Baptist Convention and critical race theory. If you if you don't know what's been going on, the Southern Baptist Convention has been conflicted over the last couple of years with its uh, this critical race theory and for a lot of these southern evangelical Baptist Christians here in the states what has been plaguing them is this sense of identity you know intersectionality and all of that and I understand it is very confusing it is very overwhelming it's very convoluted and so they're they're trying to maintain this sense of you know conservative identity within their denomination. So they've been pushing back on critical race theory. Now here, if you don't know what critical race theory, critical race theory was developed back in the 90s by black academics to, uh, in so many ways, explain not deficits, but both achievements and um, uh, 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 issues, challenges facing academics and students and all of that, black students in particular. And it basically, uh, it, it was it was designed to help empower black people in academia to keep going, keep pushing, to break the glass ceiling, as we would say, and, then, and to set higher heights for achievement. And it, it did, it did. Um, but it's been, as as in everything, it's been taken over by uh, liberals who have Marxist leanings and, in, in, in that sense, have integrated Marxism into the idea of critical race and in additional critical theories that are, are not just race but all across the board, which has, of course, caused concern for those persons who are not only identify as conservative but who think this that Black Lives Matter um, intersectionality of all sorts is 
a threat to the Christian faith. And there's some validity to that. It, it, it is, you know, there is some validity. I don't completely agree with it. But their concern is that it is incompatible with not just the uh, Christian faith, but scripture and American culture and all of that stuff, you know, that good stuff. And uh, hold on for a second. Anyway, they 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 believe that this is something that is a threat to their Christian identity, and so they issued several proclamations, uh, resolutions, three in particular dealing with uh, critical race theory at their past this past week during their annual meeting. It was faced with some challenges, particularly most prominent by um, Dallas pastor. Um, of Cornerstone Baptist Church, um, uh, Dwight McKissick, and he he basically said if they pass any of these resolutions, I think it was resolution 9, 16, or 19, something like that, I know they passed one back in 2019 that um, affirmed it and basically said it's something that can benefit not only blacks within the Southern Baptist Convention, but whites within the Southern Baptist Convention. Anyway, uh, last year and earlier this year, there are some opponents of that, uh, including seminary professors, uh, presidents, and probably some professors too. But they they signed uh, on signed a letter that basically said we don't need to adopt this, we don't need to recognize this. This need to be pulled from the records of the Southern Baptist Convention. And last year, a very ultra conservative organization, the Conservative Baptist Network, formed within the Southern Baptist Convention. Now you, <laughs> I was a part of the Southern Baptist Convention in college. I did a whole research study, not just um, origin, talking about their origin and their relations with blacks over the years, but this was during the time that they were uh, coming out and uh, apologizing for their role in slavery, their role in Jim Crow and all this. They were trying to go for racial reconciliation. I wrote a paper about that, and I helped uh, plant black Southern Baptist churches. And some of them, I think at least one is still going on, a couple others. But anyway, and so they, they, they've been trying to, <laughs> they've been trying to redefine, not redefine, they've been trying to reimagine the Southern Baptist uh, uh, by planting black churches, being intentionally in doing so. And not only that, but also uh, becoming more multi-ethnic in their approach to ministry. But then you have those within that conservative evangelical uh, denomination here in the States that are ultra-conservative. Think about the Hasidic Jews and the ultra-conservative Jews in, in, in that sense. It's probably very, very bad comparison, and probably very bad, but that's how they are. They want to keep the Southern Baptists Southern. And even though they're across the country with thousands of churches, the largest Protestant denomination in the, the United States, they want to maintain that Southern identity, predominantly white, predominantly male and so forth and so on. You know, they're they're really they're really back on anything that would take away from that. And they're using the banner of the scriptures to to do so. And I I, I, I get it. 
I get it. They're not progressive, and we can't force them to be progressive. And in, in some ways, you know, they were founded on this this sense of <laughs> uh, protest against progression, and that's the way they are. It's in their DNA. They won't be able to escape it. And over the years, there've been several more moderate in in. Uh, Invocations of that, and I don't know if the invocation is, <laughs> is the right word for it, but you had the Cooperative Baptists, and you had other little fellowships within the SBC that were more welcoming and affirming and all of that stuff, you know, the new inclusive language that we use. And so they have been adamant to maintain their the rigor of their identity. But anyway, uh, I, I came across an article last year regarding uh, the Southern Baptist Convention and, and as this article is titled the SBC's critical race theory debacle and this is from the religious news religion news uh, from December last year and basically what they're saying is that it's trying to uh, lay the ghosts of its pro-slavery beginnings behind but at the same time it's trying to stay true to that 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 identity, even after having had elected uh, Reverend Fred Luter out of New Orleans as his first and only so far black president, um, they are wrestling with this this idea of critical race theory, and they're saying that this is basically it's incompatible with not only the scripture but the Baptist faith message, and. Um, since they've introduced that, at least four and now possibly five uh, with Reverend McKissick, black, prominent black pastors within the, the SBC have said, we're out, we're done. So the conundrum pretty much is that they want to, they want to be able to say that scripture is scripture and, you know, they can say that. Culture is culture, and the scripture says that we are not to conform, but to be transformed. And that's what they're doing. So they they put out they they put out a documentary. They they put out a lot of papers. And my uh, my college buddy, Reverend Doctor Curtis Woods, a prominent uh, professor in the SBC at one of his prominent seminaries. And now he's a pastor in the SBC church himself. Um, has even, you know, he was one of the sponsors of this thing. He said, critical race theory is is good. But it, it's not, it's not, you know, terribly wrong. You have to recognize that it's valuable. So most of them, um, there were, there, like I said, there were three resolutions introduced at that, uh, at the at the convention, uh, Dr. Moeller, who is the president of Southern Baptist, one of the most prominent figures, definitely personalities in the SBC, has, um, he, he's like, look, I, I, as much as I, I don't like it, this is where we are. You know, we are a diverse denomination, 
He, Dr. Moley himself, is the president of one of the most diverse institutions, seminaries in all of the SBC. But, you know, he was like, we got to, we got to do something. We have, uh, we have got to maintain our identity. So he, he ran for president. He didn't get elected. They elected what the mainstream media has been calling a moderate person um, as president. And you're not really moderate in the SBC. <laughs> He's just not an extremist, you know. He 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 was he he was the the new president they just elected. And forgive me for not knowing his name. Um, he was basically, you know, out of, after this they had a runoff, and after the runoff, he was basically the the better of the choices. That's, that's all it was, you know. And they're looking to him, the, the outsiders are looking to him to make a big stand against the conservative group. But the reality is he's not going to do that. He's not going to make a big stand against the conservative group. They already have the, core, the conservative Baptist network. And that more than likely will splinter off into its own, its own entity. Just like what the United Methodists is experiencing. They're about to split, and they're going to have the liberal, and they're going to have the conservative branch, and they'll go on with their business. It's sad that that's happening. But you know, that's the funny thing. When I was in Baptist church and pastoring and, and ministering, the funniest thing was Baptist churches grow by division. They multiply by division. That was the, that was the joke. You know? So it's not anything new. But the challenge to this whole idea of opposition to critical race theory and the country and the conservatives and a frenzy about it being taught in schools. I understand. I don't think it should be taught in schools at all because for me as a black person, uh, as a black educated person, it comes across as I can't do anything. It tells these black children to be victims that they can't do anything. It tells, the, it, it gives the sense to the overall population of America that black people are incapable of self-sufficiency. We don't have the efficacy. We don't have the means of helping ourselves and we have to be coddled. And that's not true. In that sense, critical race theory is its a disaster. It's dangerous. And when we put it in that construct, um, that it is very dangerous. And so from there, yeah, I can understand why the SBC would be opposed to it. But when you look at it in the historical context and why it was developed and how it was supposed to be implemented and empowering for black academics, black students, black people overall, you, you put it in a different way. And I'm, I'm glad I, I applaud Reverend McKissick and the other black pastors who are standing up and saying, look, it ain't all bad. Just because some of it has been usurped by certain ideologies, look what happened in the church. We we have that all together. It's, it's always been happening, you know. <laughs> how else do we get Jim Jones? How we how else do we get um who who else? We could go down go down the list of con people and in the church who have usurped the scriptures for their own good. And I talked about that in our Bible study uh, on the other day. That um, prime example, Eli's sons. They were priests, but they <laughs> they did not 
do well, farewells priests. They were, they were scoundrels. That's what the scripture says. They were scoundrels. They, they were in contempt with God. And they didn't value people, the sacrifices people were made to God. They didn't value their, their role as priests to God. Yeah. So if it was happening in the Old Testament, it's still going to happen <laughs> in this day and age. So, you know, we even had another example is in Scripture itself. I know this has nothing to do with critical race theory, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, Scripture itself in the New Testament talks about um, Simon, uh, the the uh, the uh, what was he called, the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, who was using um, his abilities to manipulate the people, and when he saw the Holy Spirit in action, he tried to pay, say, "I'll pay you for what you're doing," because what apparently. What you got is better than what I got. So if it happened in Scripture, it happens now. Um, we just have to do better and be vigilant in, in, in how we do all what we do. And, and we have, you know, we just have to teach our children the values that we had. And unfortunately, my generation, I, I'm in this generation of parents whose children are in the latter parts of high school or in college or have graduated from college. And it's this generation that don't trust institutions. And they're looking to Marxist, Marxist, socialist, communistic ideas because it sounds good. This idea of egalitarianism, utilitarianism sounds good to them. I may not have used that right, but you don't know what I'm talking about. It sounds good to them. It seems applicable to them, and they want it to be in action and praxis across the board in every institution, every organization. They don't. They don't like the the um, what they would see as the, uh, inequity and inequality. All of that stuff. These newfangled language that they use. They don't like that, and they want to try turn it, change it from the inside out. That's what they're doing, and they're becoming. Uh, masters at it. How do we counter it? I don't know. But what I do know is that um, the SBC may be doing more harm than help to itself. If it, if it splinters off into another branch, a more conservative branch, then guess what? That branch will have issues of its own within itself, eventually. It's going to start off fresh fire and all that stuff, but It'll develop in the same way that all the other denominations do, have the same problems and possibly have any more schisms. I mean, schisms have been a part of the church since its inception. The first century, you had the schism between the Jew, the, uh, the church in Jerusalem and outside of Jerusalem. You had the schism between Paul and uh, Silas, uh, Barnabas. You had the schism between Paul and John Locke. Yeah, it's schisms all across the board, and it's nothing new. But anyway, um, I think the SBC has to really come to grips with its own history, its own issues, and um, not be afraid to be progressive. It's not going to kill them to make the adjustment, but it's not. It's not going to kill them to recognize the fact that uh, critical race theory is a part of the American life now. It does not have to, they all have to teach the Marxist side, just teach what it was in the original. And 
the people within, I'm sure they're intelligent enough to be able to decipher for themselves uh, intent, uh, original intent and all of that. You don't have to be a scholar to understand that. But anyway, got off on a real tangent there. But that's all I'm going to talk about today. I'd love to hear back from you. What do you thought? What are you thinking about that? Uh, you can go to the Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook, and as you're listening, leave a comment and let us know. And uh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast broadcast is always, as always, about empowerment and liberation. So I, I really appreciate you. If you like this broadcast, if you're enjoying it, wherever you're listening to, uh, take time to share it across all your social media, wherever you are. Take time to share it. Uh, the Zero Today Radio Show is completely listener supported and that's why I invite you to go to Patreon and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Support me as we expand this thing we called Zero today. 11 years ago we started this broadcast. 11 years ago and we've still been going and we appreciate you so much. So follow us on all our social media. Become a patron on Patreon. Make sure that you uh, go visit my website Lorenzo T. Neal. Read the articles. Listen to archive shows. Purchase a book or two and uh, find out how you can contact me for your next event. And as always follow me on all my social media. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening and We'll see you again next time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.